Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. What if the serpent didn't offer Eve an apple when they met in the Garden of Eden? What if instead Eve had sex with the serpent, betraying her partner and engendering a race of half-serpent, half-human people? The suggestion may seem bizarre, but as a theological theory, it's had a long life and continues to surface in a variety of interpretations of Genesis up to the modern age. It's difficult for many readers to just let the serpent be. He's an unusual character in his own right as the only animal who starts a recorded conversation with a human in the garden, and he's made even stranger for his rebellious nature. The animals in the garden, after all, had not been endowed with the capabilities nor the responsibilities of Adam. And yet, here comes a reptile acting almost human and inserting himself into the uniquely human problem of the tree of knowledge. When the student of mythology adds the many uses of the serpent in the Caduceus, the Ouroboros, the legends stretching across civilizations and times, it's difficult not to wonder if Genesis is trying to say more than what's on the surface with the snake. The fact that the serpent is the most phallic of animals raises the distinct possibility that maybe this secret is somehow sexual. But could it really mean that the first woman mated with a slithering animal? Today, and next time on Occult Confessions, the serpent seed theory, specifically this day, part one, Gnostics and Racists. My name is Dr. Robert C. Thompson. I am your supreme hierophant for these proceedings, joined this day by Andrew Mims, whose name cannot be spoken. Howdy, hi. I mean, his name, Andrew Mims, can be spoken, just not the rest. You don't want me to try. Savannah Verrett is our sister of the 84th degree. Hello. And I are you sure that the snake is the most phallic animal? What about, like, sea cucumbers? <laughs> <laughs> That's... Yes, but what a story that would be if in the Garden of Eden the sea cucumber <laughs> talked them into eating what what like seaweed like an urchin. It could still be an. What apple. are those Japanese it's urchins still... that you could die of if they don't cook them right? It's a land sea cucumber. It's a, land... <laughs> uh, just a cucumber. It's, it's, it's just a cucumber. <laughs> More of a plant, really surprising that it has anything to say i mean a snake it's surprising that that talks but a cucumber like an actual cucumber who knew and it doesn't want you to eat the cucumber it wants you to eat a completely different thing brandon walls is our silver tongue shadow i'm just imagining now all of the bible just instead of satan and lucifer being a snake it's just a fucking cucumber it's various vegetables yeah it's just yes it's well i mean veggie tales did they got their ahead of us but then now in our case they're all the evil creatures so like the firstborn are killed by carrots or something <laughs> they are really sharp you no. <laughs> Noah, Noah, Noah must bring one of every fruit and vegetable onto the ark. We, we the, the members of the, of the secret, secret order of alchemical actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. Oh, Savannah, can you go ahead and open up the order of confessors with any sound you choose? We want to welcome some of them wonderful patrons who heard our L. Ron Hubbard episode, I assume, and said, I got to get me some more that are called Confessions. I'm talking about Wolfgang H., Jesse B., Rachel H., 
Maleficia Red, Eva A, Kelly H, Jessica T, Spencer M, and Tasha O. Welcome to the Order of Patrons, my friends. We are so grateful to have you. Uh, Savannah is here to remind us to listen to... Strange Ride! But you are promised a much more in-depth commercial for that particular show on the subsequent installment of this conversation about the Serpent Seed. So we'll just leave that as a teaser. Why should they listen? Savannah, give us one reason. Um, no mention of sea cucumbers. Mm, that makes this a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> I get to explain to Rob what Five Nights at Freddy's is. Mm, yeah, if that's not enough to tempt you into this, I don't know what is. Close up that order of confessors, Mins. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We pick Mins up, set him back on his chair. All is well. <laughs> scared <laughs> <laughs> it's just the gospel of philip Mims. the gospel of philip is generally attributed to one of gnostic christianity's most famous teachers i'm speaking of course of valentinus not to be confused with saint valentine valentinus has nothing to do with valentine's day um, valentinus also was very nearly a pope uh, but he was a gnostic so that's kind of a fun fact uh, very well educated uh member of the uh, roman so it's like a different sect of christianity the gnostics yes yeah the uh valentinus though his perspective was that the gnostics had an elevated knowledge so that like regular christians were okay but he was just he had christianity plus (laughs) did he pay like a monthly subscription for it (laughs) (laughs) for their low low fee of but like you know 15 shekels a month (laughs) It wasn't like one of those situations where he said, well, you're all sinners except for my people. It was Ah. like, my people are just a little bit better than you, but you guys are okay. Ah. So you can see why he almost got to be Pope. Valentinus's Gospel of Philip, or presumably Valentinus, offers one of the earliest references to the serpent seed theory. Authored around the 3rd century, it was lost to history before being rediscovered in Nag Hammadi among a large collection of Gnostic texts. The book is a collection of short aphorisms, not unlike the Tao Te Ching, organized in various ways according to the translator. The reference to the serpent seed is brief, in keeping with the style of the rest of the book. The one created was noble, and you would expect his children to be noble. If he had not been created, but rather had been conceived, you would expect his offspring to be noble. But in fact, he was created, and then he produced offspring. And what nobility this is! First came adultery, then murder. One was born of adultery, for he was the son of the serpent. He became a murderer, much like his father, and he killed his brother. Every act of sexual intercourse between those unlike each other is adultery. That's good. It's difficult to say exactly what lesson Valentinus wants us to learn by this. Adam was created and is noble, and his offspring should be noble. Theoretically, this applies to Adam and Eve's surviving children, beginning with Seth. Eve had sex with the serpent and gave birth to Cain, who then murdered Abel. The notion that Cain's father was a murderer just like Cain, though, suggests that there is more to the serpent in Valentinus' imagination than the talking snake. Sounds like Cain's father isn't actually human. You see what I mean? Where is Seth? Seth? Seth. Seth. Seth is the kid who comes afterwards. So it's Cain, Abel, and Seth. Seth is their third child. And does he do anything special? Well, ultimately, he fathers the rest of us. Oh, 
because ah. Cain wanders off and does Cain things. Nabel's mm. dead, so that leaves Seth to be our ancestor. Okay. We are the children of Seth. Thank you, Seth. There's also Gnostics, by the way, who call themselves the Sethians. Mm. Separate idea, but yeah, it's all in there, I guess. Eve had sex with the serpent and gave birth to Cain. Who that I said that? Yeah. You mentioned Seth, which is why I was like, wait, we didn't. Uh, I don't know anything. I've, this is the first I'm hearing of him. The serpent may be the Gnostic Demiurge, for example. So not a snake at all, but a god. An undergod, a demigod. To better understand this, we need to turn to the second and far more detailed account of Eve's liaison with the serpent in the Apocryphon of John, or the Secret Knowledge of John, which is another Gnostic text also recovered in Nag Hammadi. So to remind everyone, or or if you're not familiar, the Nag Hammadi texts were discovered in like the 40s or so. So 1940s. These texts are 2,000 years old-ish but we haven't had access to them for that entire stretch of time. So kind of cool. Now we know that this is what the Gnostics thought. That, that is cool. But yeah. are, is it suggesting that it's kind of like Zeus sleeping with somebody as a swan? Leda. But yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a Leda-ness to it. According to the Apocryphon of John, God the Father first created Barbelo, the mother father, and the first human, the universal womb. Barbelo asked for thought and foreknowledge and incorruptibility and eternal life and truth, and God the Father gave these to Barbelo. The Father gazed with a pure light into Barbelo, who conceived and gave birth to a child. This divine child asked to be given a mind, which in turn asked for a will, and this was the trinity at the heart of creation. The perfect mind created the perfect human. That perfect human was Jeradamas, who had a son who was Seth. So not what? exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a different way into oh, okay. the creation story. This is a separate story. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a, now the Gnostic version of this. I got you. This was the realm of the immortals, still separate from Earth with its imperfect humans. So this is all happening in heaven. Hmm. Sophia, the spirit of wisdom, was one of these immortals, but is not to be confused with Barbelo. Sophia was the spirit of the lowest aeon, who corrupted the divine order in which only Barbelo had done the creating. Sophia conceived a thought from herself without the participation of the other divine spirits, and Sophia brought forth an imperfect child with the body of a snake and the face of a lion. She called it Yaldabaoth and repented what she had done, receiving forgiveness from God the Father. She manifested a lion snake? She did. <laughs> a lion snake. Ouch. It hurts no matter what you do. Yes, yeah, so uh, the difference here is that Barbelo is creating all these divine entities through the participation of God, and Sophia goes off on her own, and mm. that's her big sin, which then creates this demiurge, hmm. this snake lion god. Okay. Yaldabaoth, the snake lion god, went off and, mating with his own mindlessness, I don't know how that works, produced, what? he mated with his own mindlessness. But, oh, like literally mated Mated with it. Okay. to produce a series of entities to rule below him. He then created a universe, patterning it off of the divine order of God, the Father, and Barbelo. He could not see these divine entities, but their pattern had been born into him and so drove his own creation. Surrounded by his angels, Yaldabaoth declared, I am a jealous God, and there are no other gods besides me. 
Yaldabaoth then turned to creating humans after the image of God, an enormous crew of angels set to work forming Adam, each one assigned to a different body part. So you see how Yahweh, the traditional Old Testament God in a Gnostic imagination, has been replaced by Yaldabaoth, who's saying Yahweh-like things and doing Yahweh-like work. See what I mean? So basically, there's Yahweh and fake Yahweh. Quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not, Gnostic Yahweh is no friend of ours, mm. as opposed to the traditional view of Yahweh as the creator God. Okay. Now the creator God is Yaldabaoth, who is Yahweh, but is not no friend of ours. Is <laughs> snake lion God. You see the Gnostic idea? Mm-hmm. There's a better God, and that God exists far away in heaven. Okay. The God that we know as the creator God of us not not swell. It's the Demiurge. Li- it's the lion. It's snake, snake lion god. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um. Okay. So. But and he said he's a jealous god. He said that. Yeah, the Bayoff did. Snake lion god. But he created us. All these other things. Right. Basically, like the demons, I suppose. Okay. Which we regard as angels. Oh. The Gnostics are taking all of this and turning it on its head. Yeah. Okay. So his servants, the angels in heaven are not really the angels in heaven. They're the servants of Yaldabaoth, who are lesser than the But Yaldabaoth made us? Yep. Who's he jealous of? The the higher gods? The higher ones. Okay. I mean, in theory. He's not jealous of us? No, we're okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're his babies. (laughs) In order for Sophia to recover the power Yaldabaoth had taken from her, she instructed him, so when she created him, she, like, breathed out some of her power. She instructed him to breathe some of his power into the man he had formed. But the angels realized that Adam was more enlightened than they were and threw him down into the lowest part of the material realm. Sophia took pity on him, and although the creators made him moral, she placed an enlightened afterthought in him that could live on. And the ruling angels placed Adam in paradise. Okay, so ruling angels are Yeldabaoth's demons? (laughs) No, ruling angels are good. Okay. Yeah. Sophia so and friends are from the higher, th- the, from the higher realm. Yaldabaoth and friends are from the lower realm. The conflict is that in order to create Yaldabaoth, Sophia had to breathe divine life energy into Yaldabaoth. And so in order to get that energy back, she has him put it in the human. So now that the he human, created. Yeah. The human's running around with a bit of Sophia's divine life energy in okay. him. And then so the angels that work for the higher God get jealous and are like, no. No, no, not those angels. Oh. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so, all right. It's the, it's the Aldebaoth's angels who get jealous. Oh, and, and then, then they my take understanding is that the higher angels, so the, they, yeah, then they throw Adam into the lowest part of creation, namely the earth. Then Sophia gets involved and her angels, and they move Adam to paradise. Oh. Got me? Okay. Okay. So there's sort of like a conflict between the upper echelon and the lower echelon. Okay. But they're kind of just letting Snake Man run around by himself, like do whatever he wants? Yeah. Why don't they stop him? They put their tree of life in the middle of paradise. I shall teach you the secret of their life, the plan they devise together, the nature of their spirit. The root of their tree is bitter, its branches are death, its shadow is hatred, a trap is in its leaves, its blossom is bad ointment, its fruit is death, desire is its seed, 
it blossoms in darkness. The dwelling place of those who taste of it is the underworld, and the darkness is their resting place. But the rulers lingered in front of what they called the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil, which is the enlightened afterthought, so that Adam might not behold his fullness and recognize his shameful nakedness. So the enlightened afterthought existed inside Adam and in the Tree of Knowledge? Um, Yaldabaoth and the angels sought to separate Adam from this enlightenment and took it from his side. But the rib! It's rib time. <laughs> oh, it's ribs! Ribs <laughs> we tonight, so you guys! Every time I go to Applebee's, <laughs> it's, it's rib night. Wait, well, okay, but you're saying these, but the angels you are talking about now are Yaldabaoth's angel demon things, and they're jealous that. Adam still has divineness in him? So they're trying to take it out of him. Okay. This enlightened thought. Okay. So they they could not steal it, but they it took because it took the female form of Eve. Mm. So Gnostics are, are pretty pro feminine energy and femininity in general because Eve is the enlightened thought. Nice. Woman is the enlightened thought taken from Adam. Adam recognized in Eve that she was like him, and his eyes were opened. So when he saw the woman, he had a, like a revelation. And so he created his own like divine thought, in a sense? In a way, yeah. But it had to come from his recognition of her, who was the personification of the, of the divine thought. Interesting. Adam and Eve are ideals who, when paired, became immortal, or the concept of immortality. The Gospel of Philip says that when Eve was in Adam, there was no death. When she was separated from him, death came. If she enters into him again and he embraces her, death will cease to be. One means of achieving this union, bringing the enlightened thought back into the human mind, was through the Tree of Knowledge. But in the mythical garden, the Tree of Knowledge offered no permanent relief to the first parents. After they had eaten of the tree and attained this knowledge, Yaldabaoth defiled Eve, and she conceived two sons by him, Elohim and Yahweh, called Cain and Abel. So this was confusing before, but now it's even more confusing because Cain and Abel have secret names and they are Elohim and Yahweh, which are important terms in the Old Testament. Yikes. The first ruler defiled Eve and produced in her two sons, a first and a second, Elohim and Yahweh. Elohim has the face of a bear. Yahweh has the face of a cat. One is just the other is unjust. He placed Yahweh over fire and wind, and he placed Elohim over water and earth. He called them by the names Cain and Abel, with a few to deceive. Following this so far? I think so. <laughs> there's two Yahwehs, really, because I've been talking about Yaldabaoth as Yahweh, but now there's a second Yahweh who is the child of Yaldabaoth. Okay, Yahweh. so but okay. who is the e evil one? I'm going to guess the cat. <laughs> it, yeah. I like bears. Bears are nice, <laughs> relatively. All our cat owners are going to be mad at that comment. <laughs> I love cats too, but like I, I'm just seeing a nice, friendly, furry, fuzzy bear head on a snake. <laughs> <laughs> These twin warring forces sow conflict and separate humans from their divine source. But Adam and Eve continued with the divine plan first concocted by Sophia. Adam had sex with Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to the human child, Seth. And Sophia sent down her spirit to prepare a dwelling place for the eternal realms, which would eventually come down to earth. Humans who realize their indwelling enlightenment and divinity are taken up to the eternal realms. Humans who do not are bound in a spiritual prison by the rulers until they attain knowledge. Those who attain knowledge and turn away from it, however, 
will be eternally punished. So if you get your knowledge, you better stick with it. Hmm. I mean, that's, yeah. So kind <laughs> like of like you... you get like a a second chance to study for like, to study before eternal damnation. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's I, a way in. I'm seeing it as like, it, with the, if you get your knowledge and then you turn away from it, where it's like you learn that the color red is bad, but you're like, I really like the color red though. <laughs> so I'm going to continue using the color red. And they're like, well, you're bad now. Yeah, you're going to. Because you actively this. chose to do something that was bad. Like, I'm yeah, using a good. very. Like, yeah, like you, you had a chance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once you've cured your ignorance, you're on the line. You're responsible. Yeah. Significantly, the theory of the serpent seed is put down by the writer calling himself John does not apply to the human race. The beings produced through Eve's sexual union with the Aldebaoth are lesser deities who rule over humans rather than coexist among them and mate with them. That having been said, John makes a fairly brief reference to Enoch at the end of his book. He describes how angels mated with human women and deceived men, depriving them of true pleasure and the knowledge of God. But for John, this is a curse of the whole human race and not the secret lineage of Eve and the serpent. Both the Apocryphon of John and the Gospel of Philip played a role in Christian thought in the second century, but ultimately their ideas were censured and remained hidden until the Nag Hammadi scrolls were discovered in 1945. The books suggest a long provenance for serpent seed ideology, but it's unlikely they directly influenced modern interpretations, except perhaps in a very loose and folkloric way. Real quick question. Mm -hmm. uh, is this John thought to be the same John as, like, disciple? Or... Uh, writer of book of revelation i'm going to say disciple uh because they would do this a lot there's a secret book of judas for example yeah they pick out these guys to to label as the author ultimately it's gnostics yeah. but yeah it's ascribed to them secret book of jesus even gnostic traditions while buried were not isolated jewish legend holds a couple of possibilities for eve to partner with the serpent dating to the medieval period in one version, the serpent is just a serpent. He sees Adam and Eve having sex and wants to try it out for himself. <laughs> that looks like Who can fun. can blame him? Right? <laughs> yes. Seems a jolly good time. <laughs> He's like, there's already another snake there. Like, right? <laughs> oh, no. He seduces Eve and she conceives Cain. Another version reflected in the Zohar holds that the angel Samael, the angel of evil, rode the serpent into the Garden of Eden, seduced Eve, and she conceived Cain. So it wasn't the actual snake having sex with her, but Samael, the angel. Okay, so I don't... I didn't grow up with religion, so, like... Nobody like grew up with this, I bet. Oh, well, not that, but, <laughs> okay. like, in Cain and Abel, like, the, the actual mm -hmm. story or whatever... Uh, Cain and Abel are actually both of Eve and Adam's children. Mims just in read the, this. In the Bible, it's very heavily insinuated that they are full brothers. Okay. Uh, but there's nothing other... to say otherwise. Got yeah. you. And that he was just like a shitty dude, Cain? Uh, he was jealous. Oh, okay. He thought he believed that God favored Abel. Oh, okay. So in all of these stories, they're saying that Cain is bad because he isn't actually the true son of Adam and Eve. But... This is another way of okay. seeing it, yeah. Okay. But I'm the just... Bible makes, I mean, the Genesis, the Ted Pentateuch makes no claim of this. No, yeah. Right. I'm just trying to wrap my head around because I didn't know the, the story necessarily. So, but 
but it's always Kane who is the one that is not their actual son in these stories. Yeah, Kane would be left to the side. Okay. If someone evil is going to, it wouldn't be Abel, the good one. Gotcha. Yeah. But Adam did have sex with Eve while she was pregnant with Cain, and she conceived Abel. So that's the twinness. Oh, what? Oh. It's, I think it's physically possible. It is, apparently. It's, it's complicated, though. It's unlikely. <laughs> it's like he just saw the snake finish and then went and also had My sex turn. with her. My yeah. turn. Yeah, yeah. Sloppy uh, sex. God, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I am sorry for that. I Maybe. apologize to everyone. I apologize. But to he had sex with her God. the first yeah, to time God. to God. Yeah, that's that's ultimately where all our apologies must must land. Cain had an otherworldly appearance owing to his father's angelic nature. This is in the case that his father was the evil angel Samael. And this explains Eve's comment in Genesis 4 that she conceived a child with the help of Yahweh. Whoa. Yeah. So the Gnostics are really, really <laughs> whipping around the text there. Since Samael is also the angel of death, this explains why Cain murdered his brother. It also may account for the suggestion all the way back in Philip that Cain is a murderer like his father. Because his father is, in fact, the angel of evil. Hmm. Modern uses of the serpent seed theory fall into two general camps. Oh, well, before we do that, so do you see, like, there's a few... I don't want to ever present the Gnostics as a uniform group. They were okay. a variety of groups with a variety of beliefs. So okay. in what I just laid out, we have Valentinus, who honestly, there are, I think, in my opinion, a few different ideas that you could ascribe to Valentinus of how all this works. <laughs> but there's a version where the serpent is actually the angel Samael. So that's who's having sex with Eve uh, and the text that says that Cain is a murderer like his father refers to the angel Samael and not to Yaldabaoth the creator god okay so it's really an alternate version of the story where Yaldabaoth is the creator god and has sex with Eve and produces these evil angels okay just just laying that out there yeah. Yep, got it. <laughs> we are going to do we're going to do a series on secret uh what am I talking about? Ancient uh mystery cults. That's what I'm looking for. And we will do probably a couple episodes on the Gnostics, at least one on the Gnostics where I will try to give you some different versions of Gnostic mythology. Um but it's by no means a straightforward thing. Modern uses of the serpent seed theory fall into two general camps, the relatively benign extraterrestrial accounts and the far more pernicious racial accounts. We're going to leave the extraterrestrials for next time and go after the racists today. We've discussed both of these interpretations before, but not in this context, and so I'd like to reconsider them in light of everything we just talked about, about Gnosis and the Garden of Eden. A. Hoyle Lester's The Pre-Adamite, or who Tempted Eve, subtitled Scripture and Science in Unison as Respects the Antiquity of Man, was one of the earliest of the racist genre. As his subtitle suggests, Lester believes that Christian, well, of any of it, really, Lester's one of the first. Lester believes that Christian scripture and scientific understanding must ultimately align. He says, the Bible and science move together harmoniously, and where there are seeming inconsistencies, there can be no controversy. Our interpretation of scripture is either incorrect and needs modification to place it in harmony with the progress of science, or else the scientist has failed in his deductions and presents a dogma which has an existence only in theory and not in fact. 
So he's saying that the Bible and science always agree in truth. We just have to figure out how. We're wrong if we think they don't match up. Hmm. Lester then turns around and makes a biblically controversial statement. Since Asian, Indian, and black people exist, and presumably indigenous races, depending on what Lester means by Indian, then humans must have existed before or further afield than Adam because Adam is only the father of Caucasians. Oh. <laughs> oh. That was, that, that, that was the end of my statement, though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's all Mims has to say. That's... In Earth's crude and unsublimated days, just after God had finished creating the animals, God created the African races endowed with speech and with a higher degree of intelligence than that bestowed upon any animal of a former creation. But the African fell from his high estate when he decided to gratify the unholy passions prompted by his unholy nature including through acts of cannibalism. Let me say again, we are not, maybe not again, maybe for the first time, and it's worth noting right now, we are not advocating these no, ideas. No. We are simply sharing what the theory was in this guy's opinion in order to critique it. I think that I, I do this on the show. I do it regularly. I think it's it's a bad idea to put our heads in the sand and pretend like none of this exists or like it never happened. Mm -hmm. We have to face it. It's part of the true history of our culture. Um, so anyway, back to Lester. Yeah, so he was already calling them like lesser people because they were born before the perfect guy or whatever. Well, they're outside the Adam story, which feels like, yeah, they're being excluded from something neat and cool and fun. But his initial contention is that they were, it seems like he's suggesting they were created just fine. There was nothing wrong with them. But then they got up to this unholy business, mm. like cannibalism. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Not like defending cannibalism, which is a hell of a sentence to say. <laughs> um, but like, so he's he's pretty much saying like that they are... Like the animals, but a little bit higher. I guess after the fact, yeah. Their initial creation wasn't necessarily like that, but ultimately, that's how it works out. That doesn't Yeesh. sound much better. Yeah, no, that doesn't sound at all much better. None of it sounds good. No, no. I'm just trying awful. to understand that. I don't know. Well, what hey, what time period is this dude from? Uh, 19th century, I want to say. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Lester's point is that the African races in being first were ultimately the lowest. I further Ooh. assume, he says, that the next creation of a higher order was the Malay, and then the American Indians and the Chinese, presumably tracing all Asian races to China. I kind of read this like God keeps... It's, it's sort of like some indigenous... Uh, I want to say Mayan, maybe not, uh, but I think Mayan this idea that God creates humans and they don't quite work out. So God tries again or the gods try again and again and again. And this is how <laughs> Until we get, we get white people. <laughs> yeah. 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 What? Yeah. So uh, what I'm saying about there being nothing wrong with the Af Africans necessarily at first in Lester's estimation, that's true, but then they sort of fall and all of these races fall from this perf perfection as in Lester's. So different opinion. drafts, different drafts. Yes. A little bit of Lester, please, Brandon. We're going to give him a dumb voice. Just do what you got to do. Okay. <clears throat> and last but not least, God in his <laughs> wisdom and in his own image created the female and female, Adam and Eve, the progenitors of the Caucasian race. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's pretty close to what he yeah. said. Yeah. 
What distinguished this new race, Lester argues, was its intellect. Just as the African and Malay races had been given darker skin to accommodate the tropical climates they inhabited, the white race was endowed with intellect. Oh, God. Because we were <laughs> born with the internet. I don't really know <laughs> what that was an adaptation what? to. It's like, oh, you don't you don't live in tropical places. You were, so maybe you we were born in a library. Yeah. Maybe white people were born in a library and we needed to know what to do with all these books. I don't know. I don't what? really know the lot. It's not the logic is certainly strained. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lester certainly does not invent this idea. Samuel George Morton was one of several physical anthropologists who contended that cranium size was a corollary to uh, intellect mm-hmm. and that he could rank the races of humans in this way. Morton Jesus. argued that Caucasians had the largest brains, followed by Indians and then Africans. Neither Morton's measurements nor his conclusions were accurate. Let me say that one more time. His measurements were wrong. <laughs> so was his opinions. Right. And he was Caucasian. Oh, uh, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> so, uh, but for an embarrassing stretch of the 19th century, they were entertained as a legitimate scientific theory and a justification for racial segregation and even slavery. Lester's unique contribution to this idea was in grafting it onto the Bible as a religious truth. Oh. Lester argues that Eve, the most beautiful of women, because she's first, in the history of God's creation, had gotten bored since being born from Adam's side with pup plucking beautiful flowers in paradise and hearing Adam's voice. Yeah, that sucks. Right. Who, Who wants to listen <laughs> to this to dude all day? He sounds like the most boring person in the entire world. Sounds nothing he's like, like, hey, babe, want to go pick some flowers again? And she's like, well, we just picked them. And he's like, they already grew back. <laughs> There's more flowers. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> The presence of Adam had no doubt become irksome, and his voice for the time had ceased to fill the aching void that agonized her tender heart. And with a desire to explore the farthest limit of her terrestrial domain, she wandered far along meandering brooks and plucked strange flowers to while away the slow fleeting moments and slacked at her thirst at gushing fountains where she dreamed no mortal had yet partaken thereof. Sounds like a racist Squidward. (laughs) 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 Having wandered far from home. Wait, so, but, now I'm, but, okay, so Adam's supposed to be this, like, cool dude, Of course, Adam's always a cool dude. Like, he's, like, the superhero. Pretty much, every time. Of the Caucasian race. Right, because he's Um, comfortable in picking flowers at home, like a good Adam should. Aw, man. Yeah. And... This darn Eve gets bored. But yep. also, but he's so, is he saying like Adam's voice is annoying or that Eve <laughs> is bad for being annoyed? Well, Lester's him? voice is annoying on this podcast. I don't know. I just think that's sort of hilarious. It's sort of hilarious that he's like, it's his voice that drove her away. Had Adam <laughs> been an occult podcaster, I just want to say this all would have worked out very differently. Having wandered far from home, she came across the serpent. (laughs) She came across the serpent. She'd only ever known Adam and the animals of paradise and knew nothing of the fallen races that had preceded her or God's displeasure with them. It is absurd, says Lester, to think that an actual serpent spoke with Eve and tempted her. Rather, the devil approached her in the form of an attractive Mongolian. (laughs) What? 
it. The devil is always portrayed as an attractive Mongolian, Savannah. Haven't you seen the paintings of the Mongolian devil? I guess I have. It's just a sexy Genghis Khan. That's all. Well, I'm down with the devil being sexy, which is it pops up a lot, but I. But Genghis Khan, he's a sexy Genghis Khan. Not that Genghis Khan wasn't sexy, but I don't sexier even. know what Genghis Khan looks like. <laughs> he looked like a Mongolian. Oh, okay, that clears it up. He had a, a yak and a yurt. Very, Other things that start with what? the letter Y. But he didn't mention that race in particular anywhere <laughs> it does, else. It does seem out of the blue. Except yeah. here. Well, it, I guess it's implied. I mean, he did talk about the Chinese. I don't know. Yeah, he's, oh, They're okay. not Chinese. The Mongolian is a specific race that's yeah. not Chinese. Anyway, weird. It, it sounds like this this guy has some like personal biases that he needs to work through. <laughs> yes, he's, he's been having weird dreams about Genghis Khan, and he's working <laughs> trying to work that out. Um, so this this hot Mongolian is an idolater clothed from head to heel with the accumulating curses of an avenging god. What does that mean? I don't know, but it looks sexy. I was about to say it sounds kind of hot. <laughs> Did, <laughs> like, does, whatever it is. Does he have a crush on a Mongolian man? <laughs> the serpent. Met often with Eve and spoke to her of love and seduced her so that Eve returned from their fateful encounter a fallen creature, disrobed of virtue. Cain was the offspring of this union, and so it should be no surprise that the son of the Asiatic nomad or Preadamite was rejected by God and killed his brother. Cain went on to father a race of his own. The Bible's single reference to the Nephilim created when the sons of God went into the daughters of men refers to the sons of Adam's line mating with the daughters of Cain's line. Lester cites Pocahontas and Cleopatra as such daughters whose allures proved irresistible to white men. What? That took that took a hard right, like as what? if we weren't turning hard right to begin yeah, with. It just that's what we, we just did a, a loop. Yeah, like I mean, like the Cleopatra thing. Like I I know her. Like she has been seen as like this sexy figure throughout history right but pocahontas is a literal child she did marry a white man it was not john smith she married uh, rolf later as then she moved to england so yes she did she is a non-white woman who was in a a famous non-white woman who was in a relationship with a white man just as cleopatra and mark antony were in a relationship is that just his the this guy's only like point of reference i think kind of yeah like there's no significant politics to pocahontas Except for the John Smith incident, which she was a child for. Okay. Yeah. As an adult woman, she married a white man and moved to England, which is irrelevant, I think, to like gotcha. her and role yeah, and in And this history. is way before the Disney movie came out, so you can't even be like, that Pocahontas <laughs> is hot looking. Right, because she's like 19, yeah. <laughs> Fully developed. Yeah. Anyway. Lester's theory would become a major inspiration for believers in British Israelism, but more significantly, their American counterparts. On the British side, John Wilson argued that Cain's father was a humanoid serpent, and that when Cain was banished by God, he joined up with the race of pre-Adamite humans and fathered his own race. So an actual, like... It's an actual snake man. Yeah, snake man. Snake man! (laughs) (laughs) That's Mega Man 3. (laughs) This race, in turn, intermingled with the two tribes of Israel, who would become modern Jews. Uh, yeah, right. Like this is inevitable. Oh God. Anti. So yeah, we were we were like being equally racist with all the races. Particularly, we had a thing going with Mongolians, but now it naturally is going to come to fall on on the Jewish people. They really can't catch break. Nope. Anti-Semitism was a significant theme of British Israelism, whose <laughs> adherents uh, believed that white Anglo-Saxons were the unspoiled lost tribes of Israel, in contrast to the actual Jewish people. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. It's so silly. Fuck, man. In America, British Israelism uh, theology merged with Lester's theories to form Christian identity. Christian identity believers hold that a white person's bodily fluids need to be protected from those of the other races since only the white race contains the divine spark, which is, which is passed through the generations. Oh, my God. <laughs> Inter- Holy shit, what? Yeah, for real. I'm not even making this up. No, I know you're not. I, I'm, I'm I mean, I don't like, make any of this up, no, you guys. Yeah. Everybody at home, I don't make any of this up ever. I just... People actually, like, said this shit. Well, people believe this now. Oh. I want to make... Yeah, make no mistake. When we're talking about Christian identity, I'm not confident about British Israelism, but Christian identity, there are churches that exist right now in the United States Whoa. who preach some version of what, what I'm talking about. That is insane. These were discovered in, these were discovered in 1945, so I'm not... Well, the I'm Gnostic texts, yeah. Right. I mean, but I would not accuse these churches of being Gnostic necessarily. Mm-hmm. Fair. They're just... Whole, but there's a, I guess there's a kind of correlation when we think about divine sparks. It's hard to imagine like, them without the Gnostics. They just like picking and choosing the racist parts. Well, and I think there's a, there's a dark horrible logic to the way Christian identity opens it up. Like the Jews fine. But if you think about the United States, our racial politics are go far beyond anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. So it makes more sense that there's, there has to, we have to preserve the white race from, you know, the immigrants or from African-Americans or, yeah. you know, we're, we're in the melting pot here, you know, as opposed to the British yeah. in theory. That's like a talking point a lot. I hear what, well, you see like people bad people say bad people where they're like oh oh shit i'm like never mind cut this shit out fuck this shit oh you mean like on instagram and stuff yeah like well i mean like i feel like a lot of the like white supremacist and stuff and stuff like that their whole thing is like we're being replaced because white white replacement theory yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. like i see it a lot when you see these like horrible things pop up Mm-hmm. And there's just a religion that fully believes that. Yes, the replacement theory is not key to Christian identity, but I guess it's implied. I mean, replacement theory implies that as a white person, you have a responsibility to stay within your race in order uh, like when when breeding. <laughs> we're using animal husbandry terms. Uh, right? Otherwise there will be less white people. I don't know. I, I'm trying to put the pieces together and I, I think you're onto something. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like we're uh, less likely to be replaced if there's more of us, and if but in order for there to be more of us, we have to stay white, white on white. Yeah, but I guess what I'm getting at is that these like extremists mm-hmm. that are very, very bad people are <laughs> adopting the same ideology as this religion, and I, I think those people, a lot of the times, are very religious people or. But in not the, in these terms. They're yeah. not Christian identity believers. Yeah. But yeah, I see what you mean. There's it's, there's a there's correlation. A there, yeah, yeah. Like is what I'm trying to get at. I think use their religion as a way to back up their hatred. Yes, and it's fucking despicable. As this history suggests, Christian identity wasn't always consistent in who it selected as the children of Cain. While most preachers agreed that Eve had sex with the serpent, an idea that often fed misogynist ideas as well the actual race they produced varied. I mean, we do have to bear in mind the notion that a woman is having sex with a snake does not 
reflect yeah, well on women. Yeah, she was able to be so easily seduced. Right, by not a very attractive animal at the end of the day. Sorry, snake lovers out there. Well, the attractive Mongolian dude. I like, mean, he was a hot guy. Yeah. He was very hot. He was clothed and, like, in the curses of God. Sweet nothings to her? Like, of course. He was clothed in curses, Savannah. <laughs> How can you say no to such a guy? I'm, like I'm saying, uh, like I said before, that sounds hot. Like, all right. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but, okay, but I wanted to say something else real yeah, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I... The misogynists, woman have sex with a snake. <laughs> William Branham, who led the Pentecostal tabernacle, argued that the race of Cain was black. Pastor Dan Gaiman, in his Two Seeds of Genesis, labels the one seed might white, much like Branham, while the other undesirable seed is Jewish. I remembered. Go ahead. Uh, so they're saying that white people are the only people that have like this divine spark. Correct. Them having children with other races, it would not give them the divine spark. They wouldn't pass Kills it down. It. it goes away. That's bullshit. Pollutes the spark. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Suck my dick. Whatever. <laughs> Name is, I forgot. Leonard? <laughs> Suck my spark. <laughs> the, the consistent thread running through their philosophy is the need to preserve the sanctity of the white race against miscegenation because they believe that the white race as Lester said all the way back in 1875, is the only true incarnation of God's highest purpose. So 1875, I mean, we are, you asked earlier about the date, I said 19th century. To be specific, this is a time period where we see people like Victoria Woodhull advocating uh, for free loveism. Uh, suffrage is, is a major topic of conversation in political circles. Spiritualism is still kicking around. Helena Blavatsky's writing her big texts. Uh, it's a, it's a, like a very productive occult period, except this guy's going off his own way. It's mm. a very like inventive religious period, I believe, the 1870s. Mm. Now, as I mentioned, this was also during Reconstruction as well, following the Civil War. So I imagine there's still... Those feelings yeah. in a lot oh, of places yeah, yeah, yeah. in the U.S. still brewing. Oh, yeah. Well, they mean this is the worst of it. Yeah, this is Reconstruction's getting shut down. They're fighting against Reconstruction. KKK is on its way. Where does he live? Last, I don't I have no idea. I'm like, is, yeah. is he Southern? <laughs> Held up against the Gnostics, Lester's interpretation and its various intellectual progeny appear heretical and even atheistic in their construction. Hear me out. The Gnostics and Kabbalists accept Eden as a uniquely cloistered space in line with its biblical description, separated from the material concerns of our fallen existence. Only a fallen angel in the popular identification of the serpent could penetrate the walls of paradise to tempt even Adam away from their perfect existence. That's your good biblical interpretation, right? It is a magical place that God has created that not just anyone can walk into. But in Lester's version, and by extension, British Israelites and Christian identity believers, Eden was not particularly special. Yeah, it was in um, Salt Lake City. <laughs> no. it may, it's not the Mormons. It may have been a nice enough place, but a wandering Mongolian or African or Jew could simply walk into it and start seducing God's favorite naked, innocent people hidden inside. Okay, but he did... The... One could also say that about Walmart. <laughs> God's favorite naked people are in Walmart. But he did say he was, like, clothed in curses and stuff. Like, it sounds like... The Mongolian like... was. Yeah, it sounds like... But God could have done better than just clothe them in curses. God could have just kept the Mongolian out. <laughs> <laughs> 
why didn't God just smite the dude the second he appeared? Like, <laughs> Another uh, option. Like, come on. Given that, how could God have banished Adam and Eve from the garden if it was so easy to come and go? Let's think about that for a second. Wait, what? Eve and Adam were banished from the garden. There was a flaming sword placed at the door of Eden. But Africans could just walk in and out. Mongolians could come and go at their leisure. Mm. How does he, How do you get banished from a place like that? Uh, well, what I was getting at with the cl- cursed clothing, or the clothes, the curse okay. that is clothing, it's normal people can't wear that. That's like, true. it's probably the devil in disguise, right? Well, you would think, but That's... Eve had never met the devil before or seen a person clothed in curses. That was her first time. Okay, but... That's not what I'm getting oh. at. You were saying that, like, how did they get in? It's yeah. probably the devil again. Like, in- Oh, the Mongolian is the yeah. devil. Yeah, that, I mean, that's possible. But what about the Africans and the Jews? Like, if the Jewish races and the African races were Well, when the did children they enter this, this story? Who, it depends on who you talk to. Who, what, who we're calling the race of Cain. You see oh, what I mean? okay. Different groups are going to say the race of Cain is black, the race of Cain is Jewish, the race of Cain is Mongolian. Okay. So the question is, how did these racial humans get into the space? Adam and Eve don't feel particularly hidden, and Eve's sin does not feel particularly cataclysmic when it is merely sex with a stranger. A story about spiritual perfection and loss suddenly becomes distinctly materialist. The miracles and wonders of God are hardly necessary in Lester's scientific Eden, The misogyny is also too strong to make sense of the biblical source material. Lester explains why Eve fell, but what about Adam? Genesis is clear that both Eve and Adam eat from the tree. If Cain is the child of Eve and the serpent, then what serpent is sexing Adam? (laughs) Why not the same one? The same Mongolian guy. (laughs) Yeah, Adam's like, oh, he's hot too. (laughs) Oh, no. And who are... It is Adam and Steve. Ooh. His name was Steve, the Mongolian Steve the guy. Mongolian. Yeah. Draped in curses. He's got to be short for something. <laughs> Stevis Khan. Stevis Khan. But wait, okay, I'm still confused. So I'm picturing like a dome around the Garden of Eden. And you're saying, how did all these other races get in? Yep. The Mongolian got in. This sounds bad. The guy draped in curses okay. got in because he is secretly the devil, right? Okay. okay. So he has divine power, so he's able to sneak in. All right. When do all the other races get in? I don't know. That's what, what I'm do saying. The, no, but you're, I'm asking you, oh. when do they become a part of the story? It depends on who you talk to. I mean, it's only Lester who says it's a Mongolian, but Lester's theory is not, it, it's like the inspiration for all these other churches but different churches are going to say the race of cain is a different race they'll say it's black they'll say it's jewish but cain is their child right cain is the child of eve having sex with the serpent yes who may or may not be mongolian black or jewish okay how they got in is she gave birth to them in the The garden of of eden yeah but she didn't give birth to the guy she had sex with no, but he's the devil. He was able to get in because he's magical. <laughs> That's fair. But now my second question to you is, if Adam also fell by eating from the tree of the Garden of Good and Eating, and eating from the tree is actually having sex with the devil, then that means Adam must have had sex with the devil too. Yeah. Steve. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Steve is con. I feel like the devil would definitely be bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm saying that Isn't as that a like bisexual the entire person. plot of the show Lucifer? Or am I, yes! Or am well, I like, wrong. I don't know. 
actually. I never finished it. I never but watched it. He was falling it, but... in love with a human woman, and he was losing his powers. And I was like, "This is weird." And I'm turning. It I'm off. just gonna say this is such a leap beyond the source material that I am not comfortable with how far Lester has gone here. I mean, we're not comfortable for other reasons, but it's just a ridiculous interpretation oh, yeah. of it's, the text. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, we're, I'm I mean, just we, trying we're to up get... to gay sex here now with Adam. So how yeah. did we like that's of course Genesis should have at least hinted at that if that's what happened. Well, also Adam maybe was just a great guy and was like, Oh God, you're throwing my wife out. I guess I'm going too. I'm just walking out of here, <laughs> but there's no fruit involved for me. Thank you very much. No He's thank like, I you. I saw that snake. It that, wasn't that, that Khan yeah. can go ahead and take a hike. I will not be having his apple today. Also, who are those children who Adam 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 had sex? Who's his kids? But you're saying he didn't. He said no. And why doesn't the Bible have he anything can. to say about the children of Adam and his serpent, Mongolian sexy lady? Finally, the racist interpretation of Genesis leaves too much of the actual Bible story unexplained to hold water as a legitimate reading of the text. Of course, we have other concerns about it, but if we try to take it seriously and say this is a legitimate reading of of the story of adam and eve i just don't think it is it's just too yeah, it's, it's leaving too it's much unanswered patch it crazy it's totally yeah it's a it sounds like the leap. ramblings of like <laughs> a, an incredibly racist dude high off his ass <laughs> or like some racist old guy on his deathbed yeah. <laughs> being like i spoke to god <laughs> oh, and he <no>. told me. <laughs> it was the mongolians <laughs> And like would use like seven different racial slurs you have never heard before and will never hear again. <laughs> so Son, get close, get close. Don't I'm let the Mongolians in. The of the Keep the Mongolians out of here. Oh my god. If you meet a Mongolian named Steve, <laughs> don't. Don't trust Steve as cop. Don't take his apples, my son. And that is his last words. It's incredibly <laughs> tragic. No, not tragic at all. I <laughs> We're glad he's gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good Get riddance. <laughs> I hereby adjourn and declare close this meeting of the Secret Order of Alchemical Actors until <laughs> such a time as we get together and do it again. What else are we going to do? I what more is there to I say? Hey, we got part was, two. I don't know. I have no idea. This is an hour of racist. Holy shit. We've been talking for an hour. We have, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> oh, my we God. We have plumbed the depths of this story. Holy shit. <laughs> this guy did he have a terrible life i hope he did i mean he published a book that started a bunch of weird churches that we're picking on now God i mean it's, it. it's its own kind of punishment. yeah but that means people still fucking, like think about him ultimately i mean i don't know if they think about him directly <laughs> I, but uh, his there's an inspiration there Ugh. and the movement's quite relatively small but i i think it's important for us to acknowledge that it is still very much alive I, the mm. fact that it's still alive is like mind-blowing to me but the good news this dude is dead <laughs> he has a grave we can piss on it yeah hey, true. yeah where is he buried rob well i guess we'll we'll put that in the show notes um <laughs> patreon special go piss on this dude's we, grave we go looking for the grave of lester Hoyle. so uh, this is our first part of the series uh, of this two part episode it is like the third part of our Adam and Eve series uh, in part two we're going to get into the extraterrestrial versions of this and we're going to ask a black man what he thinks about all this Pascal Beverly Randolph uh, naturally he's not going to think any of the things that we just heard about uh, Hoyle's opinions Lester's opinions uh, so that's coming up uh, Savannah Barrett's our sister of the 84th degree 
Goodbye. Brandon Wall's our silver tongue shadow. I have no regrets giving that man a stupid voice. And Andrew Mims is <laughs> kind of that named. guy. Yeah. Uh, my name is Dr. Rob C. Thompson, your Supreme Hierophant. Catch you next time here on Occult Confessions. Bye. Bye. Bye.